1: Hello, everyone. This episode is sponsored by italki. It's difficult to improve your fluency in English on your own, but you don't need to do it on your own because you can use italki to get some speaking time or English lessons and build your English in the most natural way possible by using it to communicate, and you can do it all from the comfort of your own home through Skype. Italki are offering all of my listeners a free voucher worth 100 italki credits when you buy some lessons. Uh, To get that offer, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo on my website. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, everyone. Today on the podcast, I'm very glad to be talking to the one and only Korean Billy. Uh you might already know about Korean Billy because he's recently made a name for himself on YouTube by producing videos about British English dialects showing and explaining specific words, phrases and accents that you might hear in different parts of the UK and those videos are proving to be very popular especially with people in Britain. I think the appeal of Billy's videos is that um although he comes from another country, he comes from Korea obviously, That's why he's called Korean Billy. It would be strange if he came from another country and he was called Korean Billy, wouldn't it? It would be. Anyway, obviously, he's from Korea. He's from South Korea. Um, And I think the appeal of his, his videos is that although he's from another country, he has really managed to identify a lot of the specific dialect words and pronunciation of these forms of British English that even some Brits aren't that familiar with. Also, Billy just seems to be a really nice guy who's not only enthusiastic about understanding different local dialects of British English, but also helping other people to understand them too. Um, Billy used to live as a student in England. In fact, he studied at university in Preston in the north of England for a few months, where he met people from many parts of the country. And then he started making YouTube videos about British dialects last year. And in the last few months, his videos have gone viral, particularly in Britain, and he's been featured on websites like BuzzFeed, as well as on various radio and television programs in England, including several BBC programs. Um, He's most famous, well, he's most well-known, I'm not sure he's famous yet, but he's kind of, I mean, he's been on the telly. Um, He's most well-known in the UK for his videos on Scouse, uh, Geordie, Mancunian and Roadman dialects. Uh, The Scouse dialect is from Liverpool. The Geordie dialect is from Newcastle. The Mancunian dialect is from Manchester. And Roadman is a kind of dialect associated with groups of young people in London. Um, In fact, since recording this conversation, uh, he has uploaded uh, new videos about uh, Hull dialect words. That's um, dialect words associated with the town Hull in the uh, northeast of England and also Birmingham dialect words. And he's also got some videos which feature some good clear advice for other people learning English as a foreign language based on his own learning experiences. Um, I'm interviewing Billy on the podcast because I think he's a really clever guy who's learned English to a good standard, and he knows a lot about British accents and dialects. And um, I just want to know more about how he's done that, how he's learnt those things, and also I just love regional dialects from the UK, so I think it could be uh, just a lot of fun to talk to Billy about this whole subject. Okay, so now let's talk to Korean Billy, and here we go. Hello, Billy. How are you today? Hello. Uh, I'm great.
2: Thank you. How are you? Very well, thank you. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. I've I actually... I've actually been listening to your podcast since I am also a foreigner studying English as a second language. So it's really, you know, awkward actually. And it's really <laughs> my pleasure to be a, be a guest <laughs> in your podcast. Well, that's all right.
1: Uh, you say it's awkward. Mm. You mean you feel a bit awkward because it's a, a podcast for learning English? Mm.
2: Uh, I, I don't know. Cause you know, um, i I always been a you know listener of your podcast, but I can now you know join your podcast <laughs> and be a guest so it's my absolute pleasure actually <laughs> what, so you knew about this
1: podcast before I contacted you yeah definitely because oh,
2: really? it's such a big one right because i I always you know Like I always seek for an English studying materials Mm -hmm. since, you know, because I have been studying English for a long time. So I definitely like found your podcast when I was a high school student, I guess. So mm -hmm, I've been enjoying your podcast. All right. Well, brilliant. So well,
1: welcome to the podcast anyway, after all these years. (laughs) (laughs) thank you very much (laughs) um so like since uh since i first got in touch with you which was at the end of last year um Mm -hmm. i get the impression that you've you've sort of become even more well known and that your popularity has kind of blown up a little bit in the uk in particular (laughs) is that right do you think so well i mean yeah you're the one who knows because you're in the middle of it so that's true what's been going on in the last it, uh month or so for you
2: yeah so um like just last week i i'm just you know uploaded a new dialect video mm-hmm. which is called a london roadman dialect and yeah it just went viral and i got really surprised and excited because I never expected that so many people would watch my video. Mm. And since then, I could, you know, appear on TV and lots of radio programs. Right. And, yeah, I, I've just, I'm just spending my great time are you, are you enjoying, <laughs> as Korean Billy. You're enjoying it? Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, yeah, because, you know, lots of people enjoy my videos, and I think that is the biggest honor for video makers, you know, yes absolutely yeah
1: for people to watch it to enjoy it to to share the the stuff that you've made oh yeah absolutely definitely mm-hmm. what, what where where is it that you are getting the most attention uh is it in the uk or is it in korea or in other places
2: um uh, i think like obviously in the uk i would say because uh i make uh british dialects mm-hmm. videos and Yeah, because what I think is, like, British people find my dialect videos very, very interesting because an Asian uh, does various (laughs) British dialects (laughs) in a sort of, you know, funny way. So I think that's why British people find it really, really funny. And for Korean people, they just find it really just interesting because they've never heard of that kind of accent. Mm. So... Yeah, as for Koreans, they just find it really interesting. And for British people, they find it absolutely funny, you know. <laughs> right.
1: right. I guess um, I guess it's pretty impressive that uh, someone who obviously comes from a, a country quite far away from the UK is able to sort of quite specifically identify these bits of language. Because... You know stuff like when you're getting into dialects and accents. That really is about the heart and soul of the people who who speak in that way. So by mm-hmm. by kind of identifying these the ways in which they speak so specifically, you're sort of uh, showing that you've got to know the culture in in some depth. Um, mm-hmm. Do you, I mean um, I wonder how you've managed to. Like learn about the dialect so much because the first ones I saw of yours were about Scouse uh, dialect words from Liverpool. Yeah, that's true. Manchester, uh-huh. Yorkshire, based based around the North. And I, th- and in that's I, true. Without knowing more about you, I thought, well, he must be a, a foreign student who's spent time living in the North of England. Um, but uh-huh. then you released the one about the Roadman dialect, which is kind of <laughs> the South of England, right? <laughs> these sort of That's young, true. young people from the South. And then I thought, Oh God, what's he done? Is he just gone and sort of spent time in, in South London or something? How, how do you manage to actually find out all of those words then? Right?
2: I, I don't know. I just, you know, um, like the, the reason why I got interested in British dialects were um, uh, because of the time I spent in the Northwest of England, because, uh-huh. I lived in the Northwest about two years ago as an exchange student um, The town I lived in was called Preston, Preston and wow. it's in yeah it's in Lancashire area and it's in the northwest of England and yeah i spent I spent about like half a year there and yeah. while living there, I could meet lots of northerners with very thick northern accents you know so all like all my classmates were. Usually from like like uh, absolutely from Preston, but besides that, like lots of my classmates were from Liverpool and Manchester. Usually from the north, so it's just uh, I I didn't actually know the fact that these kind of you know accents existed. Mm. So. And after going there and talking to some of my classmates, I kind of noticed that their accents sounded really, really strange and interesting at the same time. Yeah. So that's how I got fascinated and really really interested in those northern accents and then just i started to look for more british dialects like you know southern accents and welsh accents and scottish accents and that's how i started my you know adventure on my british accents you know right
1: so when you before you traveled to the uk what was english Mm -hmm. for you what did english sound like for you
2: uh well, I think just including me, lots of Korean people, like most of the Korean people think British English is just, you know, uh, BBC presenters English, you know, very, very posh mm-hmm. and very classic, you know, Yeah. like actually in Britain, that's kind of, you know, old fashioned yeah. Uh, as, you know, real English, you know, but just as a foreigner, just British English was very classic and, you know... Posh, and mm-hmm. um, that kind of stuff. Only just, you know, uh, studying material English. Right. So that's why I didn't actually expect that I would hear different accents, you know, yeah. um, that I found it really interesting and surprising at the same time. Right. And did, were you able to understand these classmates of
1: yours from from Liverpool, Preston, or, or wherever? Could you understand? Well, them?
2: at first, not actually at first, because yes. I, I I just never expected that they would speak in that way. So I was totally shocked. And I just had a sort of doubt mm-hmm. of my, you know, studying English. Because <laughs> I had, I just studied, you know, standard English, to like received pronunciation. Mm-hmm. And then I just had to understand, you know, northern accents while living there. So it was kind of shock and I had some, you know, hard time understanding what they are talking about. (laughs) But after spending like a few months, I just managed to understand, you know, what they, what they were talking about. Mm. And yeah, I, I kind of, you know, observed their accents and I kind of, I started to talk in a Scouse accent or like, kind of, you know, weird mixed accent. Well, what, so, what, what did, yeah.
1: What did they sound like these people just to give my audience an idea? I mean, what what's, you know, give
2: us a sample of what they would sound like, can you? So, particularly in Preston, people use the word love so many times, you know. Right. But, but I just, you know, I thought, you know, so love I think just they use love as mate or just when they call someone, they just put love. But you're right you're right, you're, when right. I f- you're right billy love you're right love yeah <laughs> you're like love like, like come to my house me love like that kind come of like straight yeah come out
1: come,
2: <laughs> come round to my house love we'll have i'll make you a cup of tea love yeah so i i just kind of like found it a bit strange because i didn't know that people use would use the word love that often because i thought just you know the word love is used only for boyfriends and girlfriends right so at first i found it weird and yeah the pronunciation was also a bit different so it was very hard to understand how long did it take you to get used to it then uh about like a few months actually two three months and there were also my, you know, Korean friends who went to Preston together and they just couldn't manage to understand what they were talking about. So they had had, they had like, an absolutely hard time, you know, living there, actually. So some Korean
1: people couldn't really adjust to it, but you could. What, what's the difference, do you think? Because, I mean, having met many com- Korean students uh, at school in London... Um, I know mm-hmm. for for a fact that many of them found it quite difficult to sort of make fr- make English friends or to kind of break through into the world of the mm-hmm. native English speaker. That uh, it's it's quite difficult. You end up sort of let's say if you're studying English for a year or studying in England, you know, doing whatever. Um, the, the the foreign students end up sort of stuck in like their own little bubble, and they can't quite make English friends. Um, but it seems that you managed to do that. I mean, did you do something differently? How did you do it?
2: Well, I think it's just uh, it's just because I have been studying English for such a long time, like over 10 years. Mm. So I just started to learn, study English when I was a primary school student. Yeah. So that's like, you know, more than 10 years ago. And yeah, and when I first... Uh, learned English I because the Korean people just learn American English because you know they teach American English at school right. so I just started as a American English but uh, I got really interested in British English because of British films and British culture so I I don't know why, but I just wanted to learn British English so badly. So I started to learn British pronunciation and British English and tried to kind of, you know, fix my accents. So yeah. So since then, I have been studying British English for about eight years. So uh-huh. it also took me so much time to adjust my accent from American one to British one. So I think... Um, The reason why I can also pick up some regional accents is because I have a sort sort of experience that I have fixed my accent. So I can just easily pick up the features Mm. of each accent, I think. Mm
1: You essentially sort of taught yourself how to deal with with accents by moving from American to British, perhaps. Um, mm-hmm. But it seems like you're just motivated to, to actually talk to people as well, I think. First of all, it, I guess it shows that uh, having a good level of English, like putting the time in and being motivated, uh-huh. allowed you to make friends in the UK. And also just simply, uh-huh. the, simply the motivation that was there in the first place probably pushed you to, to talk to people, made, made you a bit more outgoing. I think it's a good thing to remember that uh, you that's know, true. in those social situations you have to be a little bit sort of brave or curious in order to start up conversations get to know people better you can't just expect uh, everything to happen naturally you do have to kind of uh, push yourself into social situations I guess
2: that's right And the reason why I started learning English when I was a kid was like when I was a little kid, like foreigners looked really, really interesting to me because I just, yeah, because they like as a kid, they look just totally different, right? And since I'm Asian, like Western people, especially just British people and American people looked totally different to me. And that was just absolutely interesting to me. So I just, you know, every time I saw a foreigner, you know, around my in in my hometown, I just, you know, approached to them and just said hello. And yeah, that's that kind of motivated me to like learn more. In order to like speak more with foreigners. Right. So, yeah, that's how I actually started. I see. And learning English.
1: So, and so, um, how have you learned English to, to your current level? This is the question that I always ask people who come on this podcast who have English as a second or other language. How have you done it? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what's, what advice would you give to people who are looking to improve their English? Any tips?
2: Well, uh, I uh, While learning English, I just try to, you know, get exposed to English as much as possible because since I'm living in Korea, I'm just surrounded by Korean, right? So I just try to get exposed to English as much as possible. For example, I change my language setting of my computer or my mobile phone into English from Korean and I just try to keep diary and just write, just what I can, why I can write yeah. on papers. And I even just, you know, talk to myself in English because it's it's kind of hard to find a native speaker, you know, you know, in the place where I live. Yeah. So. I just, you know, asked myself, like, um, hey, Billy, what did you do yesterday? And I just answered. I went shopping and I had and I, yeah, I listened to some music, that kind of stuff. So that's how I actually trained to get used to English, because, you know, getting exposed to English as much as possible helps me to get used to English. Yeah. And. Mm, And the more I get used to English, um, the more naturally I can speak in English, I think. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it is inevitable to, inevitable that you should, you know, put lots of time, you know, using
1: English. Right. So Mm -hmm. it is a kind of a question of time that, that you do have to put time and effort into it. and you get out of it what you put into it kind of thing. What about what about recording vocabulary for example? Did you or do you have a vocabulary notebook or anything like that that you're kind of writing things down in?
2: Oh, I I made my own vocabulary book actually. Yeah. So every time I see a, an English word, I don't know. I just, you know, uh, I just, you know, picked it up. Mm. And I looked up an English dictionary, not English-Korean dictionary, yeah. and I just wrote down the word. I don't know, and the definition of the word, you know, from the English dictionary. And I think using just English dictionary is more effective rather than using English Korean or Korean English dictionary, because yes. you know, by by reading English, uh, by using English dictionary, it helps me to read more English, and think think in English, you know, think in an English way. So. Yeah, I think that's much better. Absolutely. And, you know, the explanation on English dictionary is just usually just easy to understand because the definition on there is usually to make people understand what a word means. So it is written down in a simple way. So I think there is no... I think it is not that difficult to understand English dictionary as well.
1: Right, yeah, it's a really, really useful tool. And uh, what about pronunciation then? Because, I mean, you talked before about how you'd sort of moved away from American English to <laughs> British English, and that, that's a lot to do with pronunciation. And now you're kind of able to make these videos about differences between sort of, you know, Liverpool or Manchester mm-hmm. or Newcastle. Um, how, how have you managed to do that? How, have you, how did you change your accent?
2: Uh I just I just literally watched uh as many, you know, video materials as possible as well as these audio ones. Mm. Like, you know, listening to your podcast also helps me to like get English accents, British accents. And yeah.
1: So you, uh, you, you you listen to these things and then you get an idea in your head about what a British accent sounds like. And then what? Are you actually sort of like actively pushing your accent, you're actively doing an impression of an English accent,
2: are you? Yeah, I kind of try to, like, imitate you know, native speakers you know, because right. I think that really helped me to you know, get sort of, sound like a native speakers, because yeah, I think if I just listen to them and not practice with my mouth, I think that doesn't really work, so mm. I think the most important thing is try imitating and try, you know, try to, you know, make myself sound like a native British speaker. And that really helps me. And the reason why I only knew received pronunciation was, you know, I just mainly get, you know, English study materials from BBC and just, you know, materials which teaches me materials, which teach me standard English. So I think that's why I only, you know, taught myself standard English and, you know, got surprised when I actually went there Yeah. because, you know, uh, because, you know, BBC or, you know, lots of English studying materials don't really uh, teach me like slang words or right. regional accents. So, but, you know, when it comes to just English itself, you know, getting and listening to as many English materials as possible just helped me a lot. Okay. And also, as you said, sort
1: of pushing yourself to, uh, uh, what did you say, sort of imitate uh, British accents? Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, they they do a lot of listening, they do lots of studying, and and they do lots of speaking too, but they aren't actually pushing the accent and, and like, it's not necessarily a, a subconscious thing. Your accent isn't necessarily mm-hmm. going to change subconsciously unless you make an active effort to sort of, to, to push it. So, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. from my experience of speaking French, uh, that, I mean, I'm trying to learn French cause I live in France mm-hmm. and, um, I find that if I'm just trying to talk, then I end up speaking in an English accent but then if I put my mind to it, I sort of put on this pretend French accent and my wife mm-hmm. will be like, oh yeah, that's really good. And then in my mm-hmm. head, in my, th- in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, but I'm just making fun of French people, you know, doing this kind mm-hmm. of comical accent. She's like, no, no, that sounds <laughs> right. That's exactly what it should sound like. So it's kind of weird <laughs> actually how easy it can be that we feel a bit self-conscious like we're doing a sort of a joke v- imitation voice. Mm-hmm. But actually it's quite close to what, it should sound like so pushing mm-hmm. pushing our accents i think uh, pushing the pronunciation making an active physical effort can bring results
2: um, yeah and i think you know like ch- changing my changing an english accent is like you know changing my habit you know because sometimes i just subconsciously you know speak out you know without thinking of any accent so but you know changing any habit uh, takes me lots of time right right and i th- think it is just you know, kind of you know training my muscle of my mouth so i think that's why it takes so much time because it is kind of you know getting a new habit right right mm-hmm.
1: exactly yeah it is about that yeah um and uh, have you learnt the phonemic uh chart did you learn all the phonemic what? symbols yeah.
2: Uh, not, uh, not that deeply, you know, but I just, I definitely learned it Uh because I had to, I had to understand, uh, how pronunciation works like with my mouth Mm. Uh, and I'm actually getting more and more interested in like phonetics and how, you know, pronunciation is made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So right. I think I should, I think I'll just learn more about that.
1: Mm. Yeah. You should buy a book called um Sound Foundations by Adrian mm. Adrian Underhill. Uh um, okay. Adrian Underhill, Sound Foundations. Now, actually, you should only buy that book if you are ready to completely geek out about pronunciation, because that's the sort of, you know, that's a... a, 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 a a professional sort of uh, english teachers course book that you read when you're doing the mm-hmm. qualifications and stuff but it's 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 amazing how in depth it goes into all of the different features mm-hmm. of of pronunciation and and how they work you know like vowel sounds and consonant sounds and linking and uh, the way in which like certain sounds disappear mm-hmm. or certain sounds combine with other sounds to create other completely new sounds that aren't written into the mm-hmm. words and wow. intonation and stress, you know, things like, um, let's see, would you, you know, would you, um, mm-hmm. would you, or do you, th- these commonly when they're spoken fast, like would you ends up becoming ju. you know, you get the J That's sound true. in there, which you've probably heard. And, uh, um, you know, j- do you want to, it's like, do you wanna, J, mm-hmm. J is do you,
2: you know, and it sort of deals with right, with right, right. Stuff. Yeah, it changes, yeah. and it's sometimes you know it's sometimes so confusing to me because, yeah, I I like, I kind of notice that I say like that subconsciously without knowing that. Right. But like when I read that kind of book, I just start to understand how it works. So it is really confusing and interesting, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's confusing and interesting to me too, I'll be honest. I mean, even though I've been teaching for 15 years, I still Uh bury my head in in those books every now and then, and I'm just trying to kind of understand it from the bottom up. Because it's like you said, you understand this stuff from the top down, meaning you kind of uh, Mm – you just feel – you know that already, you know, is like, do you, you know that already yeah. There's so much stuff that you already know, but like reading about it means that you suddenly start to understand the, the, the science behind it and how it all kind of breaks down. That's true. Um, yeah. What was I going to ask you? I was going to ask you what you studied then. What did you study in, in Preston?
2: Oh, uh, so, um, I wanted to get a job as a broadcaster. So, uh, while living in the UK, I studied broadcast journalism. And yeah, I could do lots of, you know, broadcasting practices like uh, at, you know, University of Central Lancashire. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I really enjoyed studying there with other schoolmates.
1: I can tell that you've had sort of media broadcast journalism training mm-hmm. from looking at your videos mm-hmm. because the the videos... Um, are very professional and you present in a professional way. Ha- mm-hmm. I mean, um, have you used many of the skills you learned at university in making your videos? Is, is that something you've been consciously doing?
2: Uh, well, since, since I have always been, you know, uh, working as a broadcaster and making videos, I, I've always been just practicing making just random videos by myself. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and the time when I started my YouTube channel was right after graduation. So after graduation, I sort of had lots of free time. So I just wanted to uh, do what I really wanted. Mm. So that's how I started my own broadcast and started to upload my videos on youtube and that's how i started my korean belly channel actually
1: okay i see and what you've been on the bbc is that right yeah that's right which channels
2: have you been on in the uk uh i could have lots of you know radio interviews with uh lots of you know regional radio stations like uh bbc merseyside or bbc newcastle because i i mainly do you know regional accents so yeah. i could have lots of you know v- interviews with regional radio stations uh, recently i could have a chat with scott mills on bbc radio One. Oh really uh, yeah wow. and he's, he said he he said like he was obsessed with you know k-pop and <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and he said he was really glad to you know chat with a Korean guy, and it was my absolute pleasure as well. And awesome. yeah, wow. and yeah, when it comes to TV, I I managed to appear on E4 yeah. of Channel Four. Really? And yeah, yeah, and I could do a kind of quiz show about the regional dialects, and it was absolutely funny. Brilliant. Wow, that's amazing!
1: You're sort of almost like a celebrity now.
2: <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I
1: hope so. <laughs> you should go on. You should go on the next series of Big Brother. Oh, I hope so. Imagine, that would be brilliant. Imagine that, Korean Billy, on Big Brother. <laughs> this week on Big Brother, Korean Billy's learning a new dialect. You know. Oh, that's thrilling. <laughs> <laughs> um, I should. I should probably ask you to do some of these. Um, dialects then right i mean i do a bit of this mm-hmm. as well i like to do copy different accents from all over the place so maybe, mm-hmm. we, maybe and have,
2: we have you have you
1: uh-huh. yeah, go on go, no go on go on so
2: have you lived in you know other places in the uk yeah i used to live in liverpool oh wow lived, really yeah i lived in liverpool for four years oh my god thank you you must know some, you know, Scouts absence oh, yeah. or was words. Though. Oh yeah, mate!
1: I used to live in Liverpool. Me, yeah. <laughs> I lived in. I, I lived on Scotty Rose for like a year. It was it was absolutely horrible. It was a bloody nightmare. <laughs> that super <so> bloody nightmare, <laughs> Billy! I tell you, mate, it was an absolute nightmare. <sighs> I was a student. Oh my god! I was a student living in you know. I was just some some student living on this dodgy street in liverpool everywhere i lived was every part of liverpool i lived in that was really rough and dodgy and so i would walk around yeah oh yeah because i don't know i mean liverpool's a wonderful wonderful place but this is what uh 20 god knows how many years ago 20 years ago i was living there when i was a student and uh you know it this is before the city center was redeveloped and uh I mean, I think it's still the the same today, but some of the areas outside the city centre are pretty rough, pretty dangerous. Well, not dangerous, but kind of Uh poverty-stricken areas where the people are pretty rough and tough. And um, so I would walk around as a university student and I used to wear all these old seventies clothes, like flares and Adidas oh. trainers. And I had long, <laughs> I had long hair and all this stuff. And they're all the scousers, <laughs> all the scallies would walk around in, you know, they'd be wearing their track suits and their Reebok trainers, yeah. you know, walking around like that. <laughs> and I'd walk past them and they'd be like, "Here, Mace, are you a student? You know,
2: <laughs> where'd you live? Where'd you live, mate? Where'd you live? <laughs> you know, you're not even Scouser. You're, You're Wally scouser
1: back. You can't come around here dressed like that. Where do you live, mate? Where do you live? We're going to come and visit you, mate. You know. And then there's me going, oh, no, 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 I'm really. I'm, you know, it's really nice to meet you. I'm, I'm not from Liverpool. So, sorry. Um,
2: yeah. Oh, wow. So you spent some time in Liverpool? well i didn't actually live in liverpool but i definitely visited there as just trips you know so i've been there like four times i guess yeah but it was just a short trip so i didn't actually i couldn't actually go to you know the mastery areas because i was also a tourist in liverpool right. so i just mainly went to you know tourist attractions yeah, yeah. So I, w- I was surprised to you know hear your stories actually. <laughs> oh really?
1: You didn't realise that that it was a bit that it could be like that.
2: Yeah, I've definitely heard of like how scousers are, but not that specifically. You know, no.
1: so I mean, it's really interesting. What I just did was a bit of a stereotype version. And of course, you know, not everyone's like that. And Liverpool is just as broad. It's just as diverse as anywhere else. And you get all sorts of different types of people. But um, you will find that sort of in the rest of the country, there is a sort of a bit of a stereotype about Liverpool that, you know, that you get your car stolen or something. But it's not, that's not really true. It's unfair to make that, uh, to say that. In fact, Liverpool's got so much more to offer, uh, particularly in the humour. I mean, they're very funny people, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I got this great that's sense true. of humour here, mate. Where are you from? You're from Korea, <laughs> you know all <well>, that. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> can you tell? Can you tell? Oh, wow. me, can you tell me well, Let's say three things, three bits of dialect slang that you learnt from Liverpool.
2: Yeah, like for me, the most interesting word, Scouse word, was brachi. Brachi. Yeah. Yeah, brachi. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: I'm de- I'm I'm starving mate. Let's go and get some brekkie. Yeah, go get some brekkie. La. <laughs> <That> yeah, <one. laughs> let's go and get some brekkie. You know. Yeah, yeah. bacon. Let's get a bacon bam down the <laughs> down the shop. <laughs> bacon.
2: That's true. A bacon bam. You know that word, rye? What? Mm-hmm. You know what brekkie means, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, breakfast. Yeah, definitely.
1: Breakfast. Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, brekkie. But we all call it brekkie, you know. Everyone in England calls it brekkie. but in really, in, yeah, 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 yeah. With my friends, it's like, oh, let's get a bit of brekkie, you know. Uh, but in Liverpool,
2: okay. in Liverpool, because of the accent, it comes out
1: brekkie. Yeah.
2: yeah, as well as you know, chicken, you know, chicken. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, chicken. Getting some chicken for my brekkie <laughs> One.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna go and get some chicken. You can't get chicken for brekkie.
2: You know, so So. that case sound was totally interesting to me. So it was really interesting. And I do remember, like Jimmy Carr actually said, you know, when you want to actually nail the scouts accent, you should say this line, which is, I want some chicken and a can of Coke. Yeah. <laughs> that was really interesting. Can, I want some
1: chicken and a can of Coke. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird that the K
2: the k sound becomes a R sound, right? Yeah. It sounds like so it sometimes sounds like French or German, you know? Right. To me. Mm. Fr- definitely French has that kind of sound, right?
1: French, it's not so much the. R, it's more of a. Uh, R, 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 like it's slightly further okay. to the back of the throat. R, you uh-huh. know? Uh, Rendezvous. Yeah. At the back of the throat, but. Bret, Brecky. No, it is in the same place, actually. I want a can of (laughs) coke. I think it's thick. Coke. Yeah, except that in French, the R comes with the R sound. So it's Mm -hmm. like a replacement for a rhotic R, whereas in Liverpool, Mm -hmm. they're making that sound instead of a K sound. So Mm -hmm. it's, you know, like, um, yeah, brecky or coke. Uh Coke. (laughs) Coke. Can of (laughs) coke. Yeah. Can of coke. (laughs) <laughs> and also, the other thing that, that you say often is la at the end.
2: What's la? Yeah. La is usually the shortened version of lad, and yeah. you can just understand it as mate, right? Right. La means lad. Yeah, it's like mate. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. the
1: Liverpool's – people in Liverpool have been famous for saying that for, for years. And, uh, in fact, the Beatles, on one of their songs – Hello, Goodbye mm-hmm. by the Beatles. I don't know if you know their, their music, but uh, there's a famous mm-hmm. bit at the end of one of their songs that goes,
2: Hey, la,
1: hey, Hello la. Yeah. I know <laughs> right.
2: So Korean people are curious about those kind of lyrics, you know, of, you know, Beatles songs, because they don't know, you know about Liverpool words or Scouts words. So, you know, after, you know, so some of my comments of my Scouts videos say like you know in my Scouts videos some Korean people say they now understand what Beatles say in the lyrics all right. so that's
1: kind of great right. Fantastic <laughs> And have you mm-hmm. have you had any like negative responses to your videos at all because I mean putting stuff uh, on YouTube there's always going to be some people who write some sort of criticisms and stuff Have
2: you had any Yeah well, I I'm I just I usually just, you know, gladly accept uh some people's criticism when I get his, get some things wrong, but just some people say negative things without any reasons. So, yeah, yeah. but I don't really, really get that like I don't really care that much about that. Yeah. But some comments are really really, you know, useful or some lots of british people help me to learn more british accents and learn british english so yeah i'm really glad that many people write just comments on so, my videos
1: so british people it seems are just you know very happy that that uh that you're kind of teaching the world about the accents that uh you know no one knows about beyond the the the, the island i mean like you know out out in the world, people just don't know about Scouse accents and Newcastle accents That's and true. things like that. Yeah. So it's, I guess, it's quite flattering for these places to to kind of be given the the Korean Korean Billy treatment. Uh, <laughs> I,
2: I think so, and I would be also like very pleased if a like foreigner teaches the world like Korean dialects. You know, so yeah. mm, I hope another foreigner would <laughs> teach Korean dialects as well yeah i don't know if there are any of them out there i th- I, I think so yeah because uh uh-huh. because i don't really learn korean as a oh. foreigner so but I, I definitely think there are some foreigners and there are also some like korean like there are some like celebrities in korea who can speak you know korean dialects very well and oh. he got really famous uh after his you know after he's speaking in, like, Korean dialects called Busan dialect, because obviously Korea also has lots of, you know, different accents and dialect words. So, mm -hmm. and also my hometown is very far from the capital city. So also in my hometown, lots of people, you know, speak Korean in a very, very different way. Yeah, I think that's also another reason why I got really interested in British dialects, because... Also, in Korea, I use another Korean dialect in my
1: hometown. And in Korea, do you have certain attitudes about, um, you know, people who speak in those dialects? Like, are you aware, for example, mean, I asked that question because it sort of relates to the situation in the UK. Like, are you Mm -hmm. aware of, for example, the status of the different accents and dialects that you're talking about?
2: Yeah, there are definitely there is definitely the most famous uh Korean dialect yes. within Korea. And that is a Busan dialect. I don't know if you know the city called Busan. I've heard of it, yes. Mm-hmm. So it been... is the second biggest city and it is a poor city as well, like Liverpool. And I think it's I and it is very far from the capital city, Seoul. So People speak, uh, people have very thick, you know, that Busan accent. Right. And since it, is, since it is the second biggest city, there are lots of people who have that accent. Mm. So I think that's why it is the most famous and like well-known within Korea as well. Right. And I mean, in Korea, do you get people on,
1: on national television speaking in the Busan dialect?
2: Uh yeah, there are also there are definitely some you know celebrities who are famous and and there are like definitely some famous Busan celebrities in Korea and they just yeah, stick to their Busan accents and and obviously also I'm now living in Seoul and I can definitely meet some, you know, Korean people who who couldn't change their accents so they just stick to their Busan accents and like people in Seoul find those kind of people really really interesting and even fascinating because just generally in Korea like people in the capital city Seoul find other regional accents kind of fascinating And kind of gorgeous. So, yeah, for those who speak in those kind of accents, they are just proud of themselves, I think. And I am also really proud that I can speak in another Korean accent. Yeah, yeah, (laughs)
1: that's. That's great. I mean, the many years ago in the UK, so probably like at the beginning of the BBC, the first couple of decades of uh, national Mm -hmm. television and radio broadcasting, um, the only accents that you would ever hear. Would be, you know, classic received pronunciation. You know, this is mm-hmm. the voice of the BBC. You know that, kind of <laughs> um, and yeah. it's only relatively recently, really, that we've heard a broader range of different regional accents and dialects on television on, and and on radio. Um, so mm-hmm. accents in the UK are kind of related to class a little bit, and um, yeah, that's true. I mean, a strong regional accent is sort of traditionally associated with a, a, a more working-class background. Um, I don't yeah. know if you picked up on that. Did you? Did you kind of notice the the sort of um, class status of, of different accents at all? Uh, when it
2: comes to British English,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, was that was that sort yeah. of obvious to you that that there were different levels of status with these accents?
2: Yeah, I kind of noticed that cuz you know i've i heard that received pronunciation is also called queens english right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so i kind of like noticed that and i've also made a <clears throat> my recent video is also called you know london roadman dialect video i kind of picked up a certain class a certain group of people who use a particular english words yeah. So yeah but I don't know very much about that but I definitely know that there are you know these kind of you know classes yeah. made different kinds of English. Right right the, the
1: roadman dialect uh, thing
2: um
1: it, I mean that's the one that I was surprised that you you knew about because um you know I I could see that you'd lived up north but uh, I just thought how's he learned these? did you learn a lot of that stuff from TV shows
2: uh i like so like even though i lived in in the north i there were also some classmates who were from london oh yeah and one of my best friends were uh from like her family was from jamaica and she was black so she kind of had that kind of thick you know roadman or just london you know thick accent yeah so i so yeah i could actually like learn some words from her and right. that was really interesting also i like watched lots of british films and tv shows so like i remember the tv show called misfits right. and in this tv show there were you know there were like youngsters yes. and they speak in kind of you know rough way <laughs> and yeah i kind of remember
1: that I think in Misfits they actually come from different places so you're contending with different dialects all in one show uh, with that one Okay yeah and um mm-hmm. have you seen the film Attack the Block Attack the Block oh not attack, really You've got what to is see there? you've got to see Attack the Block because it is uh, basically set in a in a, a council estate in South London and so all the, okay. the kids speak like that, bruv. You know what I'm saying? They all speak like this all the time, fam. And so uh, the all of the characters—it's basically a science fiction film set in South London. And, oh wow! And all the kids in it are like 15, 16 years old, and they all mm-hmm. speak in that sort of way. Um, and it's basically about these this sort of aliens that land, and they these kids like battle with the aliens. It's really, f- oh, wow. it's really funny and really cool. And uh, the whole film is in this dialect. It's amazing. Wow! And it was very, he- it was oh, very, what? very well researched film as well. Because the guy who made it made a point of visiting like youth centres, community centres, uh, meeting up with these kids who really speak like this, and then help you know using their help to write the script mm-hmm. of the movie. So it's like. Really authentic dialogue and very very funny. Wow, really
2: funny. Yeah, I should definitely watch that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to watch Attack the Block. Uh, I think you'll you'll enjoy yeah. it a lot. Yeah,
2: yeah. I've taken a note.
1: Yes. Okay. All
2: right. Well, when you do
1: the Korean Billy's Attack the Block YouTube video, then um, I'll know I'll know where you got the inspiration from. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Well, what's
2: next then? What do you What do you think you're going to do next? well there are still lots of british like there are still lots of cities and regions i haven't covered yet but and there are still lots of you know british accents i haven't made a video about so i will definitely do more dialect videos and recently i'm trying to work on a video about Hull dialect because in Yeah. yeah in england Hull is city of culture this year, right? Mm -hmm. So I kind of noticed that many people would plan to visit Hull, but also in Hull, like people use Hull the Hull dialect, and they speak in a kind of different way, right? Yeah. So I think like people would definitely need a guide for you know understanding proper the whole words and the whole accents, you know? Yeah. Like, and I, I've i done some research about the whole accents and whole dialect, and I asked some of my British mates, and it was really interesting to me because their accents was, like, quite different. Like, like in standard English, like, people would say, oh, no, but in whole people say, like, oh, no. Oh, no, so
1: was, oh, no, oh, no. Uh,
2: it's name like that.
1: Oh no! Yeah, that's right. From Hull, and everyone in Hull people speak a bit like this, don't they? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, from Hull.
2: Oh no, because mm. <laughs> <laughs> I thought like like Hull is also part of Hull also belongs to Yorkshire, right? Yeah. So. I thought just people in Hull would, you know, speak in the Yorkshire accents and Yorkshire dialect, but I just found out that people in Hull use their own words, like the Hull own Hull words. So that was really interesting. Mm. So within, like, even within one county and even within one region, there are lots of, you know, kinds of accents and dialects, and that makes me more interested in. You know, British dialects. So that's really interesting. So probably I'll make a video about it. And many people ask me to do a video on the Birmingham Oh, yeah. Right,
1: You're going to go to Birmingham next where everyone speaks oh, like this. All right. How's it going? All right. Korean Billy. It's Korean Billy, isn't it? It's in Birmingham doing a Birmingham accent. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. Well, good luck with that one. Thank you
2: very much. That's really interesting.
1: Because <laughs> I used to live in Birmingham. I used to live in Birmingham as well. I grew up in uh, the countryside, not far from Birmingham, and uh, so uh-huh. I've met I've met a lot of Brummies in my time. In fact, I'm from Solly Hull. Oh which is just on mm-hmm. the outskirts of Birmingham. And in Sully Hall, people sort of speak like this. You know, it's a, it's not quite as strong as the uh, the Birmingham accent, but it's kind of like a bit like that. Whereas in Birmingham, yeah. they're, they're all speaking like this all the time. I'm going down the pub <laughs> for a point.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. That's really interesting. Uh, and great. it is kind of sad that, you know, young people like these days, like, you know the accents of young people uh have you know lighter accents you know because of you know international tv shows and yeah they kind of get influenced by you know international media stuff yeah and other stuff you know yeah yeah because nice. they can now they can now watch other international or american tv shows more often rather than you know rather than back in the time back back there yeah so yeah yeah i kind of you yeah, noticed that the younger like i kind of noticed that you know younger generations have you know less thick accent yeah and uh, that's kind of sad actually also right. that also happens in korea mm yeah maybe maybe yeah. things are changing i don't know if
1: i don't know if people's accents are getting like milder or if they're just yeah. changing, I think they're still maybe just
2: variety. Mm-hmm. Maybe think, just yeah.
1: words. Mm-hmm. just just some words. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. perhaps. Yeah, I don't know really about that one. We, we'd need to, you know, ask a linguist to see if uh, it's really true. But I do hear people say that that they they say mm-hmm. that regional accents are getting uh, more and more mild. Well, I don't know. I mm-hmm. I still hear some pretty strong accents out there. Um, okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, may be the case that they are not quite as strong as and regionally diverse as they used to be, but I hope not because I think accents mm-hmm. are just fantastic. And the more, I feel like it's a sign of a very vibrant and healthy language. If you have all these different regional uh-huh. variations for me, it's like diversity and this sort of strength, um, to have, you know, all these different flavors,
2: Uh, of English Mm -hmm. I I think it's great and for me like various kinds of dialects you know make you know use the English much more entertaining actually and much more exciting so I hope yeah and it's definitely a part of you know culture so I think uh, yeah so I think dialects should be you know you know reserved very well and because I saw, because I read some articles saying that, you know, people are losing their dialects. So, but I hope not. Mm,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. me too. I hope they're talking about, I hope they're not talking about Daleks from uh, mm-hmm. uh, Doctor Who. Because uh, mm-hmm. that could be something else. I don't know if you're familiar with Doctor Who, the TV show.
2: Yeah, I do know. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> it's just a terrible joke, but maybe they're talking about Dar- uh, Dalek. Daleks. Daleks. <laughs>
2: People keep losing
1: their Daleks. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, you know, that is a problem. If you've spent a lot of money on Daleks and you keep losing them, then then that that's okay. newsworthy, isn't it? Like, you know, news just in here at the BBC. People keep losing their Daleks. If you find any Daleks <laughs> on the streets you know uh, you may need to travel <laughs> to uh, one of the northern cities in order to return the yeah. uh, <laughs> which, which dialects uh, have you found to be the most difficult to understand in the UK uh, for me it's Scottish one actually yeah, like, any, yeah. so any, like any in particular because you know that there
2: are many Scottish dialects yeah because recently I've challenged a Glaswegian one but it was the most difficult one to make. Right. Make, actually. So, Glass Region one was very confusing to me. And, th- do you know, the, like, what was that? It's Aberdeen. Oh, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think, like, the dialects in the highland is, like, much more confusing. And people there have, like, thicker accents. Right. And, like, totally different ones so that was really confusing and that was the most difficult accent for me to get actually the furthest so either one mm-hmm. um the further north you
1: go in fact the further up you go in scotland the more sort of yeah difficult it becomes and uh there's actually this there's a language called scots gaelic Scots Gaelic mm-hmm. or Scots English? Hold on. Because I think there's several different versions. Like the, the dialect mm-hmm. gets so strong that some people consider it to be a completely different language. Uh, yeah. There's Scots English, uh, which is Scottish English, essentially. Um, wow. And, 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 you know, some people suggest that it's its own language. And then there's Scots uh, Gaelic, which is a, actually... Mm-hmm. a as far as I know, a completely different language and is uh, native to Scotland, and so mm-hmm. I think there is a. Uh, you meet some people who speak a sort of mix between English, Scottish English, and Scottish Gaelic, um, mm-hmm. and that's like you know really hard to understand i couldn't i can't understand uh, people who speak oh wow way. i went on a holiday mm-hmm. to to ireland the south of ireland because obviously in mm-hmm. the republic of ireland they speak english there but in some of the areas mm-hmm. there you know there are people who are just completely in in incomprehensible <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah
1: i know and, and not because they've drunk a lot of guinness but just because <laughs> the accent is so strong you know it's brilliant yeah. it's fantastic mm-hmm. So there's a, yeah. lot more, a lot more videos uh, for, you to, for you to make, I think.
2: Uh, that's true. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for talking to me on the podcast, Billy.
2: Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's been my absolute pleasure ah, talking to you.
1: Good, good, good. All right. Well, uh, we look forward to seeing more videos uh, from you in the future. And, uh, you know, best of luck for everything, basically. Thank you very much. All right. Right, well, um have a have a great day. Actually what time is it? It's probably the middle of the night there.
2: Uh, yeah, it's uh, uh, it's about one AM in the morning oh. in Korea. Oh really? So
1: it's, yeah. It's like getting late. It's okay. alright. Right, well I'll let you get to bed then, eh? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, 'cause that's past my bedtime because you know, I'm I'm not a student anymore, Billy, so You know, when it gets to one o'clock a.m., I want to be in bed fast asleep. I don't know about you.
2: Are you still living the student lifestyle? Uh, Not really, because I don't usually, you know, live a regular... I don't usually have a regular schedule, Mm. and it changes a lot, so... I don't just regularly go to bed. so <laughs> It changes. My bedtime changes all the time. Okay. that so is all right. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's fine then. Okay. Well, uh, have a nice, you know, rest of the night or whatever it is you're going to do. And, um, you know, I look forward to seeing your new stuff on YouTube when it, when it arrives. Yeah. And I will also look forward to your next podcast episodes. Oh, great. All right. Nice one. Mm. Thanks very much. Well, bye for now.
2: Thank you very much. Bye.
1: Okay, so that was Korean Billy. And uh, if you want to hear Billy doing those British regional dialects and also learn about them yourself, then check out Billy's YouTube videos. Um, and you can just search um, YouTube for Korean Billy, and also you'll find you know all the relevant links on the page for this episode, where I've also embedded some videos of, of Korean Billy doing his thing, so you can have a look at them there. Um, I, I'm interested to know what you think about this. As a Brit, uh, I'm interested in Billy's work, because obviously he's kind of exploring the different sort of versions of British English. And, you know, that obviously interests me. It's interesting to see someone, you know, from another country coming in and sort of getting to know British uh, dialects, because that's not what people normally do. Most foreign students, when they come to the UK or most people learning British English, they learn sort of standard British English pronunciation, uh, received pronunciation, like the way that I speak. Um, but you know, I'm always conscious of the fact that there's so much more variety that people could learn about. And I personally love all these different dialects and accents. So I'm always kind of hoping that learners of English get sort of curious about those versions of the language as well. And so I guess that's what's interesting to me uh, about Billy, and that's probably why he's caught the attention of of people in the UK as well. Um, So I'm interested in in Billy's work as a British person, but I wonder what you think, because you're obviously approaching this subject from a different point of view as foreigners who don't have English as a first language, most of you, I think. I think that some people listening to this do speak English as a first language, but the majority of you um, are sort of learners of English, Um, and uh, you might not be so familiar with these specific versions of British English. So I'm wondering what you think from your perspective. Uh, How do you feel about this? Uh, What I hope is that you feel inspired by Billy, and you feel like he's a good example of an English language learner, and that he shows that if you're enthusiastic and outgoing about learning English, and if you apply yourself to your learning, that you can make heaps of progress. Um, I also hope that although you might not want to speak English with a Scouse accent or a Geordie accent or something, I still hope that you're curious about these different uh, varieties of British English. Um, And I think that knowing the different versions of the language helps you to develop a fully rounded and solid English, and that involves not only listening to different accents, but also trying to copy those accents too. It's all good for raising your awareness of features of pronunciation, and just generally improving the range of your English uh, overall. Um, so check out the webpage uh, where you'll see some videos of Billy speaking. Also, a couple of other videos, including the one of Jimmy Carr uh, doing different British accents. Um, that's the that, Jimmy Carr is a British comedian who's he, he's brilliant. He's very funny, and um, he was on a chat show, I don't know when it was, but a few years ago, explaining how to do different accents. In fact, you know what, I'm going to play some of it to you. You can see this whole video on the on the website, but um, I don't know what you'll make of this, but I enjoy it because obviously I know I'm very familiar with the dialects. This is Jimmy Carr on the Graham Norton show, which is like a BBC chat show, and he was uh, accompanied by Antonio Banderas and um, and uh, Salma Hayek, who obviously are from the United States. Uh, so they they're probably not very familiar with um, the different accents we have in the UK. And uh, Jimmy's talking about like easy ways to learn how to do different accents. Um, so you'll hear Graham Norton, who's from Ireland, first of all. He's the presenter of the show. And then you've got Jimmy Carr, uh, who speaks with received pronunciation like me most of the time. But it's, uh, here he's doing a couple of accents. And then you've got uh, Salma Hayek and um, Antonio Banderas from the United States, Um Okay.
0: Uh, We were talking with uh, Antonio and Salma about, you know, their difficulties with English when they got to America. Sure. But in this tour, this is good. um, You do a kind of masterclass in accents. Well, I was trying to get better. I've been doing like I've been a stand-up comedian for like ten years, and I was trying to get better at it. I thought, what can I get better at? And it accents. So I've gone away, discovered the secret of doing like good regional accents is you need a key phrase to get you started if you're doing the accent. once you get that key phrase in your head, then you get started. I, I could teach you like, some accents. I, do, you know accent. Accent. I can't do yours. I could do ones from around Britain. Okay. I could do. Um, it will be useful, you see. Because so in Liverpool. then you could start playing British people, and you know. Sure. Meryl Streep gets them all now, and you know. You could yeah. be in Desperate Scouse Wives. <laughs> <laughs> so, like the Scouse accent, so if you want to talk like someone from Liverpool, you say this, this phrase. You say,
1: I want some chicken and a can of coke. <laughs> well, that's I want some chicken and a can of coke. I want some chicken and a can of coke. Okay, you got you gotta try it, okay, you two. Okay. I want some chicken and a can of coke. I want some chicken and I can of coke. That is very, very good. I want some chicken and a can of coke. <laughs> I want some
0: chicken and a can of coke. <laughs> Did you, it works! Were you were you works. trying to you sounded like you were trying to be a ventriloquist there. <laughs> Because uh, then once you say it, then you can say something properly, authentically, Scouts, Like you said, I want some Chechen and a can of hoch. I'm going on the Rob.
1: I've got to get a Prezi. I'm going on the Rob, which is um, a bit of a, a sort of naughty joke about Liverpool. I'm going on the Rob means I'm going to go and steal something. I'm going to get a Prezi. A Prezi is a present, like a gift. But, you know, again, we say Prezi all over the UK. But the way that they say it in Liverpool, it sounds like that. Prezi. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get a prezi.
0: It's me grand's
1: birthday. <laughs> She's thirty. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <There's it again. laughs> well, obviously, I, I'm not knocking Liverpool. I love. I love Liverpool. Liverpool is the only town in Great Britain where JD Sports has an evening wear department. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Liverpool's the only town in England where JD Sports has an evening wear department. All right. So this is another kind of stereotype about Liverpool which is kind of true um that uh, people like to wear sports clothes they like to wear tracksuits not all the time of course but a lot of people do hang around in tracksuits like you know Adidas tracksuits or whatever um and uh, so JD Sports is a shop that sells sports clothing And so apparently JD Sports is the only shop in England that has an evening wear department. So evening wear, obviously, the sort of clothing that you would wear at a smart occasion in the evening. So, you you know, you think of like smart shoes and suits and and formal clothing. Uh, But apparently Liverpool sports clothing is evening wear. So, ha ha ha, very funny, Jimmy. I'll
0: teach you another accent from the UK. One one more, one more.
1: Roller coaster, pooper scooper,
0: umphalumpa, Kawasaki—four unrelated words.
1: But if roller coaster, oh, hold on, what was it? He's going to teach them uh, how to speak with a Geordie accent now.
0: Umphalumpa, Kawasaki—four from the UK. Okay. One, one, okay. one more, one more,
1: okay. one more. Okay. Roller, coaster, roller coaster, okay. Pooper scooper, pooper scooper. I mean, it's not that important that you know it, it's more like the, the way that the words sound. But roller coaster, obviously, spoken in the normal sort of received pronunciation way, normal I say, uh, in, in received pronunciation, roller coaster. Obviously, you know what a roller coaster is, right? You find them at uh, fairgrounds, it's like a train that, that is exciting. An exciting train, I mean, a train that goes around a track and it goes through a loop, the loop, and it's very exhilarating. You know the kind of thing. You strap in and it goes up to the top, and then you know you go flying around and over the loop the loop, and everyone screams, and some people throw up. You know, a roller coaster, Uh, roller coaster, pooper scooper. A pooper scooper is like a device that you can use to pick up uh, dog poo. Uh so if your dog does a poo in the park or something you can use a pooper scooper to pick it up and then deposit the poo in the bin that's a pooper scooper. Uh roller coaster, pooper scooper umpa-lumpa. Umpa-lumpas Loompa. Oompa are from what Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. They're these sort of people, small people who who work in uh Willy Wonka's chocolate factory in that classic Roald Dahl story Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Umpa-lumpa. Uh, and what's the other one that he says? But Kawasaki, four. Kawasaki, well, we know obviously Kawasaki is a Japanese brand. They make motorbikes, don't they, Kawasaki? Uh, four words that it, you, you can use these words to learn how to speak with a Geordie accent because these words sort of um, allow you to experiment with a Geordie accent because these words sound really different when you say them with a Geordie accent. Unrelated words, but if you want to do the Geordie accent... How people talk from Newcastle. Those words. Rula Costa. trial Now, now, uh, um, what's the name? Salma Hayek is now looking at Jimmy like he's crazy, and many of you listening to this might be thinking, "What? Really? Come on! People don't really speak like that." Well, they sort of do, actually. Roller coaster? I tell you what, right? I went on this roller coaster the other day. It was absolutely mental. I went on a roller coaster the other day. It was absolutely mental, right? Um, uh, if you're taking the dog for a walk, make sure you bring that pooper scooper. If you're taking the dog for a walk, make sure you bring that pooper scooper. Make, make sure you bring that pooper scooper to the park. Make sure you bring that pooper scooper to the park. This is sort of a rough version of a Newcastle accent. Uh, what was the other one? Oompa Loompa. I, I tell you what, Ray. when I was a kid, those Oompa Loompas from that Charlie and that Chocolate Factory, they used to scare me, scare me to half to death, man. Okay. Okay, we us do, do the first one. I'll do not for you. Okay. No, do, we'll do them one
0: at a time, okay? Roller Costa. Roller Costa. <laughs> Oompa, scuba. Poopa Scoopa. Poopa, Scoopa. Oompa Loompa. Oompa Loompa. Kawasaki. 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 <laughs>
1: All right. Anyway, you can see that video on the page for this episode, along with uh, some of uh, Billy's uh, work as well. And also I've, I've put up a couple of videos of um, some of the TV shows and movies that we talked about, including Misfits and Attack the Block. So you can check those things out as well. Um, so again, I'd, I'd like to know what you've been thinking while listening to this episode. Uh, so whoever you are, wherever you are, let us know your thoughts in the comments section on the website. And thanks again to Korean Billy for taking part in this episode. Now then, um, just before we finish here, I'd like to do a bit of rambling uh, at the end of the episode, because I've got some more thoughts from me to you here at the end of the episode. I've just got a couple of things I'd like to mention. So then, um, the first thing I want to talk about is um, Lepster get-togethers. So these are these events that have been happening Um, where listeners to this podcast are getting together to speak English and to, you know, just socialise. And um, we know that there have been a few of these happening in Moscow lately, but also in other places, like in Tokyo. And... um, on the subject of the Moscow meetings, I, just, uh, I recently got this message from Nick Worcester, one of the guys who has been organising get-togethers with other Lepsters in Moscow. Um, and this is basically his report about the get-togethers. So I'm going to kind of give you this report about the way that they've been going in Moscow. And then I'm just going to give some thoughts about the idea of arranging get-togethers or meetings and the importance of having a peer group. Uh, to socialise with in English, all right. Um, so this is this is what Nick Worcester um, sent to me just the other day. Um, so these are his words, and he wrote, um, "Thank you for your interest in our meetings, Luke. It's really important and pleasant for us. Or, it's almost like uh, a virtual participation. Actually, on average, ten people get together in our meetings. Uh, it's nice to know." That there are already some regular Lepsters who come almost every time. By the way, says Nick, are there really 50 50 50 males and females among your listeners? According to our modest statistics from the, the get togethers, we have 80 males and 20. Uh, 80% males and 20% females here in Moscow. Probably the fact that you are already married somehow influences it, doesn't it? Um. <laughs> um Well, okay, so Nick thinks that the majority of my listeners, well, according to the people who've been attending these get-togethers, there's about 80% males to 20% females in Moscow. Well, my stats overall, all the stats I get, come out of roughly 50-50 between males and females listening to to the podcast. I don't know if that's reflected um, in Moscow. And it's interesting that you say that you think that I've got more... uh, Male listeners in in Moscow, because I'm already married. Um, okay, maybe maybe that's it. But um, do you really think that like women would mainly listen to me out of some sort of i some sense that they were going to get married to me one day? I don't know. Maybe, um, maybe that's an interesting idea. Uh, I guess it's kind of true when you think of things like pop stars. Um, you know, pop stars often are marketed as being single because this just tends to help with the female fans. They they tend to be more popular with female fans if they're single because I guess the fans somewhere in their minds have this idea that, you know, something could happen one day. Anyway, I don't know. But according to... My, Nick, according to my stats, it's about 50-50, but I don't know if that's the case in Moscow. I don't have specific um, uh, gender-related statistics in Moscow. Anyway... males to 20% females in the meetup groups. Um, And um, so there you go. All right. Um, Nick tells me about the activities that they've been doing. And he said, at the very beginning, newcomers tell the rest of the group about themselves and how they happen to start listening to you. After that, we shift to the main topic mentioned in the agenda. Uh, So apparently there's an agenda for each get-together. Each person shares his or her opinion and the others ask several questions or give comments if they have some. Usually the discussion is quite lively and not a mess, which is good. I think that's important, Nick, that a lively discussion, but not a mess, not where people are sort of all interrupting each other all the time. It's good that you seem to be um, kind of carrying your meetings out in a in a organised way. He goes, I mean, we do without loud interruption or arguing while the talk is quite interactive itself, which is surprisingly good for people from diverse backgrounds who hardly know each other. We also share our own life stories connected with the topics. Um, So it sounds like you're sort of telling anecdotes and and sharing experiences and things. Next time, we're going to play a lying game, like the way I have done on this podcast before, to guess if someone's story is true or false. uh, At the very beginning, it should be fun, and also a good chance to work on our speaking skills. Also, Luke, if you have some ideas, pieces of advice, maybe just interesting and effective games or whatever, we would be grateful to you for sharing best practices with us. Uh, Nick also says, we also publish on Facebook and VK the links to useful resources discussed at the get-togethers. Most of the participants have known about these meetings due to your announcement of the first one. That's why we were thinking if we could ask you to announce that our get-togethers are already regular. Um, Currently, we meet every Sunday at 6pm. The best way to be informed of the agenda, the place and time is to join our Facebook groups, uh, our Facebook group and our VK group. And as ever, you'll find the links to those things on the page for this episode. You can check them out on Facebook and VK. That's where you get all the information. Um, Previously, as far as I remember, uh, we and you posted links for a particular event. If Lepsters join the group, they will always uh, be aware of the events and everybody is welcome. And all in all, the current Moscow Lepsters are really glad that we have such a club now and we can share all of our thoughts on topics that you've raised in your episodes and generally just speak English with like-minded people. Thank you, Luke, for such an opportunity, uh, Nick. P.S. Regards from my friend Dimitri, who also contacted you. Well, hello Nick, hello Dimitri, and hello to all the other listeners who have got together recently in a conversation club. Um, It's it's kind of odd, really, for me to think, to imagine uh, that I'm talking to groups of people as well, because normally I imagine that my listeners are individuals on their own, but I suppose that there are some people out there who listen as a kind of shared experience with other people not necessarily at the same time i don't mean that these uh, groups are kind of getting together and like or gathering around a speaker and listening to me no but i mean there are other people who you know who also listen and maybe sometimes you kind of get together and sort of share your ideas that you've had after listening to my episodes and things like that so I just want to say a special hello to listeners who listen with other people. Like, if you listen with a brother or sister, hello. If you listen with your husband, your wife, your boyfriend or girlfriend, then hello. If you, um, you know, listen and you're with your kids or with your parents, hello. And if you listen with your teacher or your classmates or something like that, then hello to you too. If you listen with a pet animal or even a wild animal, then hello. To take care if you're listening with what we a bit weird if you're listening with a wild animal, just you and a tiger or something that would be a bit odd, anyway. Uh, and if you listen with friends or indeed any other living creatures, then hello to you, the, the communal lepsters out there. And here are my thoughts on Luke's English podcast get togethers. So, generally, I want to encourage this sort of thing, I think it's great. I think meeting publicly or meeting online. Uh, is a really good idea. And let's be clear about this. What you're doing is creating your own peer group for improving your English. And that's a really important part of your English learning. Um, The more I speak to people who've learned English to a proficient level, the more I notice that one of the habits or features of their learning was the fact that they spent regular time with a group of friends who talked in English together. For example, And this is an example I've made uh, several times recently. There's Christina from Russia, who is a good example, because, you know, we heard her talking about how she spent time with, you know, international friends, and that obviously was very good for her English, but also Korean Billy in this episode, talking about uh, the experiences he he had uh, in an international context... Um, he obviously spoke with uh, native English speakers, but I'm sure he had friends who uh, were studying at the university too who were not just native English speakers, but people from other countries as well. And, you know, so there's, there's Christina, there's Billy, and there's plenty of other people too uh, who have improved their English in part because they spoke English socially uh, with people of their age. Um, another thing worth noticing is... Um, about this is that you don't necessarily have to be hanging around with native speakers, just spending meaningful and enjoyable time in the company of others and doing it in English, uh, building friendly relationships and all that kind of thing. It's all very good for your English, even if you're not mixing with native speakers. It doesn't have to be with native speakers. The main thing is that if you're getting exposure to English in your life for example, if you're listening to Luke's English podcast or you're reading or you're watching your movies and, you know, you're you're kind of absorbing English in your life, then having a peer group to interact with is going to allow you to develop your communication skills as a sort of natural social process. Um, And, you know, even if, and, and often especially if you're communicating with people who also are learning English as a second language. Because, You know, obviously, you'll be using your English and sort of working on your English to express yourselves, but also sharing ideas about the learning process. um, Kind of, also, it's it's it feels like a safe space because everyone's sharing the similar experience. So, I fully agree with the idea of these get-togethers, and I think it's great. Um, Also, the more my listeners get together in local communities like this, the easier it might be for me. Uh, to come and visit at some point and maybe put on a show like a stand-up show or have a live podcast recording or or just some other sort of um, meeting or event or something. So, Carry on, everyone. You're doing it right. I really agree with the whole idea of getting together with other listeners to this podcast. Um, several get togethers have also happened between Lepsters in Tokyo and in London, if I remember correctly. So it's not just the Moscow Lepsters. And you can do it too in your town. Um, and if you're interested in setting up some sort of meetup or get together, uh, and you want other listeners to this podcast to join you then what you should do is just sort of you know find a place and try and get the groundwork done and then once you've organized a place and a time that you think would be appropriate set up an fb page uh, a facebook page or a, or a vk page or something with all the details, and then let me know about it, and I will give you some publicity if I can. Try to give me some time. Try to give me some notice. Don't just let me know like a few days before it's going to happen, because you know sometimes um, when I'm you know when I'm producing episodes, those episodes won't be published for for a week or more. So you need to get me a few weeks in advance so that I can you know do the mention on the podcast, and it will be published in time to actually uh, you know let people know that it's happening. So organize the thing set up a Facebook page and then let me know and I will you know give it a quick mention on the podcast Um, now uh, another question is what to talk about or what should you do when you're getting together with other listeners in groups like this Um, what can you do here are a couple of ideas you could you know play a game Um, you know you could play a game and there's I guess there are sort of several games you could play there's the lying game which is always fun it always seems to work uh, go back into the episode archive uh, to find out more about the lying game, um, and and you know playing that game for fun is always good because it involves you know communication and speaking and and creativity and things like that. But any other parlour games that involve uh, communication, like for example the name game, for example, um, and. Um, also, having a topic is a good idea if you just agree on a broad topic at the beginning, and uh, and that could be the basis for your discussion. Uh, these are all uh, good ideas. Um, also, you could consider playing different board games in English. Um, as long as you're having a relaxing and pleasant time, and you're communicating and exchanging information in English, then it's all good, really. Um, one idea about a topic is simply to agree on your topic beforehand, and then just write down a load of different discussion questions relating to that topic. Um, then, what you can do is, when you're having your speaking session, you can let the conversation go off in whatever direction it wants to go in. Uh, but you have those questions there. You can fall back on those questions if you need to. Um, and so, when the when the sort of the conversation uh, possibly dries up a little bit, you can just go back to the questions and raise another one, and then keep going. Um, all right, now. Another piece of advice I have to make this kind of thing work, and i've got lots of experience of running sort of conversation clubs uh conversation rooms or conversation classes, as well as doing teaching um Many of the schools i've worked in have also run these kind of conversation rooms, which are a lot more informal relaxed um, sort of sessions that are usually sort of um, run by a teacher, but they don't involve that much sort of hardcore studying. It's more about just letting the conversation flow and sort of facilitating conversation and then, then maybe doing a little bit of language feedback afterwards. And those conversation rooms have always been really successful in the schools that I've worked in. So I do know about, you know, running a sort of hour and a half or two hour conversation club and uh, you know ways of making sure that the the the, the conversation flows successfully. So uh, another thing you could you should do is make sure that you are interested in what the other people are saying. So this is for everyone taking part in a conversation club. Um, you've got to you've got to be interested in what the other people are saying because really interesting people are interested in other people. To be an interesting person yourself. You have to be interested in others. It's important to create an atmosphere in which people listen to each other. And this is this is really important because it makes people feel valued. And um, when you really listen to what other people are trying to say and you show your interest in those people, it's like it's like giving water to a plant. It just helps helps things grow. Imagine you're in a social situation. Um if you feel like people are interested and listening, you'll be far more comfortable and you'll be far more ready to talk and it will just facilitate easy, natural, stimulating conversation uh, when you feel that people are listening. So, listen to each other, show that you're listening to each other and remember that everyone's got a good story to tell. You just be, you just need to be ready to notice it. So, your get-togethers are not just speaking sessions, they're also listening sessions too. Um It might be worth assigning a leader to each session who's generally in charge of things. But also, each participant should take the initiative to ask questions and start conversations and things like that. Uh, But of course, it shouldn't feel like a job or a role or something. Really, it should just happen naturally. So just have fun uh, and enjoy yourselves and keep me informed as well about how it's all going. Um, And I encourage other people to set up their conversation groups I'm calling them get-togethers. Um, you know, a get-together is a an event where you get together. Um, I'm calling them get-togethers. What do you think of that? Do you think that the name works? You could call them anything else. You know, the main thing is that we find some sort of catchy name. You could call them meetups or gatherings or or meetings or conversation clubs or anything you like, really. Um, I'm just calling them get-togethers. Now. Uh, I just want to remind you also that this kind of thing used to happen every week online on Skype in the Chatcast uh, which was set up by uh, Guillaume from Switzerland. The Chatcast was basically a Skype group that recorded their group conversations every Sunday and then published those conversations uh, in a podcast. Uh, The Chatcast um, yeah, you can find it at chatcast.ch I appeared on the chat cast a few times as a guest, uh, and that was very fun. Um, and um, each week they picked a different topic and just discussed it in a friendly and open way, um, giving everyone their, their opportunity to speak and and sort of responding to each other's comments and things like that. Um, the chatcast is having a break at the moment, so they're not doing it these days, but uh, you can hear some of the episodes in the chatcast archive at chatcast.ch. So, C-H-A-T-C-A-S-T dot C-H. Um, okay, and you can also, you'll find that a couple of episodes that feature yours truly as well, if if that makes any difference. Um, there was also um, a Luke's English Podcast WhatsApp group and a Luke's English Podcast Skype group that used to share contact details in my website forum. Now, I've I've recently closed the website forum because, basically, I kind of streamlined my website a bit recently, kind of cutting out some of the uh, pages that weren't really being visited very much that were slowing the website down and stuff like that. So, I streamlined the website recently and I closed the forum. But I don't know if the WhatsApp group and the Skype groups are still going. So, if you are still chatting to other lepsters as part of a conversation group on WhatsApp or on Skype please let me know because i can find uh, another way for you to continue to share your contact details with each other on my website so if the if the WhatsApp and Skype groups are still going let me know if they if they're not going anymore And you'd like to kind of start them again, let me know as well. And uh, I'll find a way to kind of, you know, uh, create some space on my website where you can share your details with each other. Um, By the way, I still have an archive of those forum posts about the Skype and WhatsApp groups, by the way. So I still have an archive of all of the contact details that were shared there. Uh, So if you, you know, if you want to sort of, uh, if you want me to give those details to you, Uh, then you can. They're not lost forever. I've still got them. Um, Okay, so there are generally lots of Luke's English Podcast-related projects going on out there, and I think it's really cool, basically. There's the comments section where there's loads of uh, friendly chatting about episodes, uh, people sort of sharing thoughts and ideas about the topics of episodes, and also going off on other tangents, having conversations about all manner of other things, sharing links and and discussing things. That's all happening in the comments section. There's the Luke's English podcast Get-Togethers that I've just mentioned. There's also the transcript collaboration, which is going really well, and that is... Um, all done by the Orion Transcription Team. The Orion Transcription Team, that's uh, the name of the team. Uh, Orion is a a constellation of stars, and they're called the Orion Team because they're a group of stars uh, working hard and uh, working together to transcribe episodes of this podcast. Uh, It's an awesome band of podcast listeners who work together uh, to to transcribe my episodes um, on Google Documents. And they proofread each other's work, and it's working very well. Um, now, um, I've, I've mentioned the transcript collaboration before, the Orion team. And if you're interested, you can just go to my website and click Transcripts, and you'll find the details there. Essentially, what you should do is probably get in touch with Antonio, um, and you can find his email address on that page I just mentioned. Uh, just get in touch with him and say, I'd like to join the transcription team, and then he'll tell you what to do, okay? Um, and remember, um, you don't have to transcribe a whole episode by yourself, because it's it's going to take you ages, all right? Don't worry, you don't have to do a whole episode. The way it works is episodes are divided up into three-minute chunks. So all you need to focus on is uh, transcribing your three-minute chunk, okay? You should follow the rules of the transcription team, Um, the rules are very simple. You can find those printed on the page for my website. So if you're interested in getting involved in the transcript collaboration, I heartily recommend that you do that because it's good for your English and it's good for my website as well, because, you know, transcripts start to get produced. Um, mainly it's good for your English. I I genuinely think it's a very good intensive listening experience. And when you finish transcribing, other listeners will proofread your work. So it's kind of like collaborative um, collaborative work and it's, it's working out very well. So if you're interested in getting involved, just go to the website and click transcripts. That's probably the first thing to do. All right. That's where you'll find the rules and the email addresses and stuff like that. Okay. So there's the transcript collaboration. Also, um, podcasts done by listeners to this podcast, although I can't claim credit for all of them, of course, uh, but maybe, you know, I might've inspired a couple of other people to start their own podcasts, which is cool. Um, Notable ones at the moment are Zdenek's English podcast uh, and Daniel Goodson's My Fluent podcast. Uh, there was also Chris's English podcast and Guillaume's English podcast as well, uh, and also the chat cast, but um, I don't know if those are still happening. We know the Chatcast is having a break, but I think the others are also on a break at the moment. And I'm sure I'm forgetting... I must be forgetting someone else who also used to do their own podcast. Um, but generally speaking, podcasting or making YouTube videos... Is uh, is brilliant. It's brilliant fun, and it's just a great thing that we have these days. Because, you know, a few years ago, before we had easy sort of, um, before we had uh, the opportunity to use these services on the internet to publish our own work, we, you know, it was very hard to get an audience or to actually have a platform. Um, so now, with the internet, there are these really great opportunities for producing work and putting it out there, and getting an audience. Um, And, you know, of course, I recommend that you try it. If you have an an inclination to do something creative, or to start producing your own work, uh, then I do recommend that you do it. You should experiment with it, and have fun with it. Uh, And of course, Korean Billy could be an inspiration to you. Um, You could consider sharing your learning experiences on your own YouTube channel, or on your own podcast. You never know. You might catch people's attention and who knows what cool things could happen to you. You could end up on the BBC, you know, Um, and at the very least, you'll practice your English a lot. Um, All right, then. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. Um, This podcasting thing is pretty amazing, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, Good. I'm glad you agree with me on that. Good. Well, well done. I don't know if well done is an appropriate thing to say. Anyway, thanks for listening to this podcast. I will speak to you again soon, all right? But for now, it's just time to say goodbye. Bye, bye, bye. bye. Thanks for listening to Luke's English podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk.